Welcome everybody to Martinis with Scott, a show about winning momentum in business and in life. I'm going to do a quick shot today uh, related to financial projections or uh, uh, model uh, projection models. But first, I just thought I'd touch quickly on Aurora Cannabis because I'm watching it on my screen here as I've started recording. We did a show on Aurora maybe feels like four, six weeks ago when they announced they were going to do a, a reverse stock split, a share consolidation, which they did on Monday. And yesterday in Toronto, they were down 5% uh, on their share price uh, following the reverse split. And I think they were down actually 8% in New York or something. But in Toronto, we'll stick with that. They're down 5 They're not down another 11 today. Why am I telling you this? Because when we did the Aurora show and touched on this, whenever that was, four or six weeks ago, I think I predicted about a 20% decline following the reverse split. And there you go. That's already happening. So why am I going back to these predictions? Because... I think it's important that, you know, that there's a frame of reference that can help you think about businesses and think about companies and think about value, including share value. And the frame of reference to look at on Aurora and some of these cannabis stocks is, is momentum, specifically negative momentum uh, uh, management uh, as a filter as to, uh, you know, whether they're change leaders and, and uh, turnaround leaders, which is what uh, Aurora needs. Uh, so momentum, uh, turnaround leaders, and uh, psychology in stock valuation is a big thing, particularly the retail stocks. So those were kind of the points I was trying to make. And uh, lo and behold, we're down the 20% and probably further. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that one. So let's get into the quick shot, uh, uh, which is typically 10 minutes or less uh, as much as on a technical topic. But as much as possible, I try to answer a question uh, for one of our viewers. And we had a question uh, last week about uh, building financial projection models. And I've actually had a lot of questions about building pr uh, uh, financial projection models, uh, given the liquidity crisis that most businesses are in right now. Uh, I don't want to spend any more time than we already have answering technical questions about models. It even bores me when I'm talking about it. Surely to God, it bores you. However, there are there are templates of the models on the Sinclair Range website. Uh, you can find the link to the website uh, in the notes to the YouTube show here. Uh, I think they get into the podcast version as well on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just click on the link, go to the Sinclair Range website. You literally can get a, a template of both a rolling monthly model and a 13-week cash flow projection, which are the two tools that you need. However, since I don't want to go into the details of that, I do want to talk about uh, some key pointers and hammer home that uh, projection models have multiple purposes. And if you understand what models are for, what projections are for, um, then you're going to build better ones and it will help you conceptualize how you want to structure this model and maybe answer the question. If you're looking at my template, answer the question why it's built that way. Okay. So, and by the way, the things that we're going to talk about today don't apply to just business. It applies to all projected models. You know, you talk, you hear in this time of COVID, you hear about the models are showing us this and the models are showing us that. Well, that's just a projection model. Uh, global warming models are projection models, maybe a lot more sophisticated than modeling out your midsize or small business, uh, but it's still a projection model nonetheless. So, uh, there's two primary tools for business. Projection models, cheers by the way. Two, two primary uh, projection uh, models for business. One would be your monthly rolling model and the other one would be your 13 week cash flow. Uh, the monthly rolling model has three financial statements. Both your, it has your balance sheet, your income statement and your cash flow statement. 
Okay, and that's really, really important. You'll see that's what the template does. And what this model is intended to do is to project out working capital, meaning your accounts receivable, your inventory, your accounts payable, all those sorts of things, your liquidity, uh, meaning do you have any cash or do you run out of cash or what's your position there? Uh, profitability, obviously that's your income statement. And it looks out over a window of time, say three to five years, depending on what you're trying to project. Like if you're, if you're gonna go get a bank loan and it's gonna be a four year deal, then a three year model isn't good enough. You need to do five years. You need to show your ability to pay back that money that you're borrowing. If it's a, a model for a turnaround plan and it's sort of a one, one and a half year turnaround plan and the capital to support that's a two years uh, uh, capital, then a three year model might be good enough. It's, you know, we rarely do three years, but that's just the way to think about it. Built right, the, the model allows you to uh, do sensitivity on some of the key assumptions to see where your liquidity and profitability go. And for me and for you, it ought to be a Bible for running your business and managing change. The biggest problem, if you don't build the model in accordance with the template, the biggest problem I see, and I saw it this week, you know, and this is not just turnaround for high growth companies as well, is that the company doesn't run out of money because it's losing money. The company runs out of money because it didn't think about its working capital needs. And that's, you know, the majority. You can run out of you can you can run out of cash because you're losing cash on a daily basis. That happens all the time. But the bigger issue is the secret uh, is the secret sauce that goes into working capital, and the fact that if you're growing too fast, if you haven't planned for things, then then you can't afford to fulfill your purchase orders. And so if you if you're building a projection model that's just a PL, if just an income statement, you know we sold so much and here's our costs and we're making a bunch of money. Well, that's not good enough because you've missed your working capital. As an example, inventory. So you think about your inventory uh, equation, right? So you're opening inventory plus what you bought during this period minus what you sold during this period is equal to your closing inventory. Well, if you think about that equation, opening plus purchases minus sales, all of those relate to, if you're building an Excel spreadsheet, they're dynamic. So the opening is your closing from the prior period and your purchasing is your purchasing assumption that you've built into the model and your sales are tied into your actual sales projection uh, for that forecasted period. And so that whole equation is dynamic. And if all of a sudden you assume you're gonna sell a bunch more, well, odds are if you haven't linked these statements together that you're gonna to forget to increase your inventory purchasing to go along with the increased sales assumption. And that's where people start to make mistakes. Same on receivables, right? And so you see it all the time. It's just a, it's just a P&L projection, an income statement projection, and then they don't deal with the working capital. And so that's what this template uh, that you can go pick up is intended to correct. Um, it's not just focused on earnings. It deals with your liquidity problems going forward. The 13-week model uh, template that's available, you know, this is a, a cash-in, cash-out model. It's as simple as that. Uh, it's over three months, which is 13 weeks. Um, it's done weekly. If you're really in trouble, just, just do a daily model. Same concept, cash in, cash out. And it identifies trends and availability when you're gonna have a bad week. Oh, look at that, I have to make my rent and a payroll. They happen on the same week, uh, two weeks from now, and I'm gonna be out of cash. I better not make these payments today uh, so I can deal with that You know, two weeks from now. All right, so here's what I really wanna to communicate today and how to think about building better models. And the way to do that is to recognize that they serve multiple purposes, specifically three purposes in my mind. One is to clarify uh, your understanding 
of your business and what drives your projections, what drives success, what are the, uh, the key performance indicators uh, that go along with this. Because every monthly model we've ever built, I've ever built over 30 years, really, comes, really always comes down to four or five key assumptions, three, four, five key assumptions that are, are hypersensitive to the outcome of uh, profitability and liquidity. Okay, and so you don't get to really intuitively know what those are until you build the model and you start getting sidetracked on things that aren't so sensitive to the business. So it makes you a better manager and it's a rolling plan and allows you to key, on, key in on those, those hypersensitive uh, metrics. So that's number one, clarify your understanding and the thought process for what drives your business. Number two is direction, no projection model is intended to give you an exact answer as to what's gonna happen six months from now or three years from now. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work in business. It doesn't work with uh, projecting a virus. It doesn't work with warming, uh, global warming. What it does do, what these models are intended to do is to give you a direction. And that's what you should be focused on. Are things getting worse? Are things getting better? Which way am I going? And what drives that? And what decisions can I make to make you know, to change the momentum of this and to get it moving in the right direction. So clarify your understanding and the thought process behind it uh, to detail the direction. Oh, look at that, six months from now, I seem to be running out of cash. I'm going in a bad direction. And the third purpose of financial model is persuasion because at the end of the day, it's not just for you. You need to give it to your bank. You need to give it to your stakeholders, your shareholders. Uh, for example, if you're going to go to get a bank loan, what are you going to give them? You're going to give them this full financial model. And if you do it well, the bank is going to take that model in a soft copy in an Excel format, and they're going to use it for their own credit report that they need to do internally because your model was so damn good. Uh, you're going to use it for hiring key employees. We talked about percentage ownerships before, uh, employee benefits. Uh, you need to come up with some sort of valuation metric. Well, your model helps you drive that valuation discussion. Uh, your shareholders, your partner discussions, um, you know, all stakeholders of the business at the end of the day are probably gonna have some sort of output from this model, either the full thing or a conversation surrounding the answer, even if they don't get a copy of the model, the model needs to be persuasive. How is it persuasive? It's right, it's printable, it's formatted, it's error-free, it balances, and it's not filled up with a bunch of extraneous crap that doesn't belong in the model. Keep it simple, make it printable, have it look good, that's really important uh, for the persuasive side of a financial model. So remember the reasons you're building the models to begin with, and you will build better projection models. Helps you with your thought process, tells you a direction that you're going, not an absolute answer, uh, and make it persuasive by making it right, clean, and formatted well. Some other last tips on, uh, on projection models. Um, the all, the, the, Remember when you're building the monthly model to build those three statements, the balance sheet, the income statement, and the cash flow. And the cash flow is built, you'll see in the template, is built as a change, a financial change of position. So it's really a difference between, uh, if you think back to the inventory example, uh, if, you, if your inventory went up month over month, that means you spent more money on inventory and the cash flow captures that. So just look at the way it's hard to explain in, in a minute or so, but if you look at the template, you'll see that the cash flow is not an independent statement. It's actually a statement of changes uh, of the balance sheet. 
project the same uh, light items in your projected models, project the same light items as your historical financial statements uh, report. Because if you don't do that, then you can't easily update your model for actuals. And if you don't update your model for actual numbers, your model's crap. Okay, um, cash, when you put cash, if you're on the podcast, I just did some air quotes there. Uh, uh, cash is always a book number, it's not a bank balance number, so you're using your reconciled number for accounting purposes. And as I already said, update for actuals regularly and adjust your forward-looking assumptions every time you update your actuals to make sure your assumptions make sense. Are my receivables really being collected in 45 days or should I change that to a 50-day assumption? that sort of thing. Thank you for listening. I'm two minutes over my time. Uh, this has been Martini Scott. A quick shot. Please subscribe. We're on uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.